Hey there. My name is Aubrey Henderson. I'm a self-worth coach and professional calm in the chaos. I believe that when you're feeling stuck in your life and you can't decide on the next right step, that getting some perspective or a pep talk from someone outside of your shoes can be an absolute game changer. This podcast is that pep talk. Every week, I'll share my responses to listener questions, real life coaching sessions, and interviews about topics that you can connect with and learn from. All things that will help you to reconnect with your own self-worth and inner goodness and vision for your life so you can feel great and get shit done. Welcome to Ask Aubrey. I'm so glad you're here. Hey babes, welcome to this week's episode. This week we are continuing on with our people-pleasing mini-series. In the last episode, we talked about some of the reasons why we are people-pleasers. So, you know, the top three sort of big whys behind people-pleasing. And so if you haven't listened to that episode, I would recommend going back one and listening to that one first. It's not very long, and it gives sort of a global, broad overview of just some of the big common reasons behind people-pleasing as a phenomenon, right? But today, we are going to go even deeper and even more personal. We're actually going to talk about a strategy that I use with myself, with clients, to uncover and unearth your personal why, for the ways that people-pleasing or codependency might be showing up for you. And I will say that while I'm going to use the example of people-pleasing, largely, I actually think that this episode will be helpful for anyone who's sort of looking to trace back to the root of a challenging pattern or behavior in your life at all. Even if that pattern or behavior isn't specifically something around people-pleasing, I think it'll be useful. So keep listening. And just as a reminder, um, I am actually in the process of writing a whole book about people-pleasing. I'm working with an awesome co-author who is also a coach and who has also had her own personal journey with people-pleasing and with codependency. And we're writing this book together that will help you to break up with people-pleasing and to develop new practices in your life that are ultimately going to help you to build healthier relationships while also taking really great care of yourself. And so more on that to come. But that's all to say that, you know, this mini series hopefully is going to give a nice taste of some of, you know, the types of things that you can expect that will be included in this book. So stay tuned for more on that. But for now, let's jump in. So, you know, we've talked about what people pleasing is, how to tell if you're a people pleaser, some of the bigger, broader reasons why we engage in people pleasing. And, you know, we in the global sense, right? Kind of the broad we. But all of this stuff becomes truly helpful and truly applicable when you can actually apply it directly to yourself, right? To you. So when you can really dig in and when you can ask yourself questions that start to kind of uncover your personal why. You know, what's underneath your individual patterns and start to trace those back to things in your life. And this is a place that we go all the time in my one-on-one coaching work with clients. I'll have a client come to me and they'll say, you know, Aubrey, I know I'm a people pleaser. I want to stop, but I don't know how. It doesn't feel good, but I don't know really any other way to relate to people. 
but I know I don't want to do it anymore. What do I do? And the first place that we have to go with that, right, is why. And for most folks, I think the bigger why is going to fall into one of those three categories we talked about in the last episode. So sort of like the broad why. And so to recap those, in case you missed that episode or don't remember, you know, what I outlined is the top three reasons why we people please are, one, that people pleasing helps me get my emotional needs met. People pleasing helps me get my emotional needs met. The second one, people pleasing is central to my identity and I've lost sight of who I am outside of it. And three, people pleasing allows me to avoid looking at my own pain by letting me fixate on other people's pain instead. Okay, so it helps you to get your emotional needs met. It's central to your identity and you're not sure who you are outside of it anymore. Or, and or, um, it could be any combination of these or any single one. Um, It allows you to avoid looking at your own pain by letting you focus on other people's pain instead. So more than likely, you relate to one one or more of those statements, right? And that's helpful because it gives us a little bit of insight, right? It gives us more clues about what's going on for you, what broad need these patterns are helping you to meet. But what it doesn't do is paint your whole individual picture. So like, let's say I relate to the first statement, you know, people pleasing helps me get my emotional needs met. Great. It's a good thing to know. It's a helpful thing to know. And it means that, you know, when I start to slip into a pattern of people pleasing, so when I find that, you know, I'm saying yes to things when I really mean no, or I really want to say no, or when I'm not making my needs known and I'm becoming resentful, or when I'm letting things slide that are actually kind of big violations of my values because I'm afraid to make someone upset if I speak up, right? If I know this is why I'm doing it, there isn't that kind of helpless feeling we can often have at first. When we first realize something's a problem, there's often this moment of, why the fuck am I doing this? Like, why am I, I realize I'm doing this thing that makes me feel like shit. Why am I doing it? And you, you don't have that because you know, for you, it's a way of getting an emotional need met. You know, okay, I'm doing this for a reason. This is meeting some emotional need for me. I know I'm doing this for a reason. So it gives you that. What it doesn't do, though, is help you to really see the kind of individualized personal patterns that you are playing out, right? Or the specific kind of emotional gaps that you're trying to fill within yourself with this behavior. So it shows you kind of the bigger why behind the issue, but not the root for you as an individual, not the connection that you have to that why. And I was reminded by something I read this weekend that for almost almost all of the things that we perceive as being wrong with us, and you can't see this because it's a podcast, but I'm doing air quotes around wrong because I don't really believe in the idea that anybody can have something wrong with them, right? But the things that we might perceive as being, quote, wrong with us, so patterns we have, habits we have, things we have developed and are trying to break or stop doing, All of those things were developed initially in our lives as survival mechanisms, often in childhood. And so, you know, we have to really approach these things with some compassion. 
Because at one point in time, they served us, right? We developed those kind of coping mechanisms, those survival mechanisms to deal with unmet needs in our lives and to help us survive our childhood or survive our young adulthood or our lives in general to this point, right? And yeah, sometimes those habits show up in painful ways or in unhelpful ways when we're adults. And that's what brings us to a space of like, shit, I need to listen to this podcast on this because I'm struggling with this. Or that's what brings us to the place of like, man, I really need coaching or I really need to go to therapy or like I really need to talk to someone about this, right? We want to let them go. But I think what's important to remember in a balance it's important to strike as we're talking about this is that we have to approach those things with a level of compassion for the why, you know, for why they developed in the first place. If we're ever going to kind of untangle ourselves from them, we have to meet those things with compassion for why they developed in the first place. They helped us to survive in some way. They helped us to adapt. And maybe they're no longer adaptive, but they were at one point adaptive. So I think viewing all of this through a very compassionate lens, right, you know, with as much as much non-judgment as we can possibly have. We're always, I think, going to have some self-judgment, but, you know, trying to diffuse out some of that judgment. You know, we can take this line of questioning of why am I doing this? We can take this line of questioning a little bit deeper. We can say, okay, I know that I am people-pleasing as a way of getting my emotional needs met. That feels right to me. That makes sense. I think, you know, I believe that people are more likely to meet my emotional needs if I'm showing up as low maintenance or if I seem easygoing or I just go along with whatever they want and I'm easy for them to care about. And so the next step then is to ask yourself, what is the fear underneath this behavior? And this is, so this is one of my (laughs) kind of like, Greatest Hits, favorite questions to ask my clients. So all of my clients that are listening to this are like, "Uh uh-huh, she (laughs) asks me this shit all the time. And I do, you know, I, I often will, and I'll usually ask it just straight up as, okay, what's the fear there? What is the fear? And what I mean by that here in this example is, what are you afraid will happen if you stop this behavior? If you stop showing up with people pleasing behavior? What are you afraid will happen? And now as a coach, I would never ask someone to just like quit something that is like a pervasive pattern in their life or like a big set of habits. Just quit cold turkey. I I wouldn't ask that, mostly because it sets people up to fail and is unrealistic, but also because that can feel really scary and overwhelming and because there's a reason someone, you know, someone's coming to me for support through this is because they've probably tried to just stop doing it and it's really fucking hard. So this is a thought exercise, right? So I'm asking you just to imagine if I asked you right now to stop people pleasing, whatever that means for you, to stop engaging in that behavior right now. So to say no when you mean no, simply no. To speak up when something makes you uncomfortable to set very clear and direct boundaries and limits in your relationships, to ask for what you need explicitly and directly. So if I ask you to start doing all of that right now, right this second, what are you afraid will happen? 
and think about that for a second. I would say don't think about it for too long because I really, I'm interested in the gut kind of like in the moment instinct like what you feel immediately. But think about it for a second and notice, you know, what you feel both in terms of in your mind, in your emotions, but in your body. You probably feel if you are somebody who would self-identify as a people pleaser and you're listening to this podcast right now, you probably feel a little bit uneasy about that idea. And so I want you to ask yourself, why? What are you afraid will happen? And again, I think this is a helpful thought exercise for any pattern that you are engaging in in your relationships, any habit you have, any way that you show up in your life that you don't want to show up any anymore, that you want to change, right? This isn't just exclusive to people pleasers necessarily. It's just the context I'm using it in now. So you know, if you're having trouble changing the way you show up, building new habits, if you're doubting whether you can do it, I think this is a helpful exercise, a helpful question to consider. What are you afraid will happen? And as you're reflecting on this, um, you know, it might be helpful to hear some answers that people, actual people have given me these types of answers to this question. So people will say, you know, I'm afraid that I'll say no when I want to say no, and then that person will make me do the thing I don't want to do anyway. So I'll state my limit and it will be breached anyway. They'll force me to do it anyway. I'm afraid that I'll ask for what I need and they will laugh at me, that I will be mocked and humiliated. I'm afraid that if I can't make other people happy and comfortable, then I'm nobody, then I'm not worth anything. I'm afraid that if I'm not helping other people with their problems, then I'll have, have nothing to do but to kind of sit with my own and I won't be able to solve them. I can figure out other people's problems, but I'm afraid I can't figure out my own. And what I found, you know, for myself personally and, you know, kind of both on my own journey with this stuff and also from my client work is that the answer to this question, whatever it is, and there is no wrong answer, truly, but whatever your answer to this question, it is extraordinarily helpful because it is so often informed by things that have actually happened in our personal history and our personal experience. And that makes sense, right? Because if, you know, if you've shared You've shared your feelings and your perspective before in your life, even if it was when you were a kid. You've, you've shared your feelings openly, you've shared your perspective, and you've been mocked or humiliated or rejected for it. Then it makes sense now that you would feel afraid of that rejection and you would avoid it at all costs. You would find a workaround. You would adapt to avoid rejection because rejection is painful. So of course you're going to adapt to avoid it. That's a survival mechanism. You know, if you've had your needs overpowered or undermined by somebody else, despite you making those needs known, you've put yourself out there, you've said, this is what I need, or this is my boundary, or this is my limit, and someone has disrespected you and just steamrolled right over it anyway, then you're a hell of a lot less likely to think that it's important or that it's worth it for you to name your needs or your preferences. If your experience tells you, if your story tells you that it's just going to be disregarded anyway. And so your answer to this question, figuring out not only 
the why behind these patterns for you, but also what the underlying fear is for you. It reveals more of the specifics of what's underneath that behavior for you. And it helps you to get more information about the specific types of painful, you know, kind of experiences or emotions that you're trying to avoid, right? And where you are, you know, maybe using people pleasing as a band-aid to that problem or to that wound or to that experience, right? And, you know, I think these examples are also powerful because, again, we see that people pleasing is not actually filling that gap. It's not actually fixing these problems. It's not really meeting the emotional need. And I laugh, but it's not really funny because it's it's the whole reason why we kind of like adapt into this pattern is because we tell ourselves that we're protecting ourselves. We're really not. Ask Aubrey is supported by Eliza and Wild. Eliza and Wild creates all natural, high potency CBD products designed to give you targeted everyday self-care inside and out. Their ingestible and topical CBD products are consciously designed with all natural and intentionally sourced ingredients and fully recyclable packaging. So it's good for you and for the earth. And y'all, Eliza and Wild literally does not have a single product that I don't love. I have them all and everything smells and tastes incredible and is made with ingredients that I can feel good about putting on and in my body. I take the CBD and MCT oil drops daily and they help me to really keep my anxiety and my tension under control. And they also have a line of amazing CBD topical products, including this lip balm that I am truly obsessed with. And like, did you know that CBD actually has anti-inflammatory properties when you apply it directly to your skin? Because I didn't until I started to use this lip balm and it is changing my life. And also it smells amazing, which we all know is really important. And I know that you're going to love these products just as much as I do. So when you grab yours at ElizaAndWild.com, you can use the promo code Aubrey15 at checkout for 15% off your order. That's ElizaAndWild.com, E-L-I-Z-A-A-N-D-W-Y-L-D.com. And make sure to use code Aubrey15, that's A-U-B-R-E-E-1-5, for 15% off. And ultimately, y'all, here's the truth of it. Being a people pleaser is not going to protect you from rejection. Being a people pleaser won't protect you from rejection. And, you know, you yes, you might be avoiding kind of direct rejection by not ever stating what you need so nobody can reject you for it. You might be avoiding somebody actively, you know, knowingly disrespecting you and your needs and intentionally disregarding what you want, even though you told them explicitly because you never tell them explicitly, sure. But what you're doing is you're you're projecting sort of this pretend version of yourself. So this means that even if the true, authentic, real version of you isn't what's being rejected, it's not because, you know, you're actually being accepted or affirmed or you're feeling real belonging, which those things are the opposite of rejection, right? 
it's because your true self isn't even being seen. Your true self is never even brought into the equation. So maybe someone else isn't rejecting you, but you are the one who's rejecting you. And I know I've said this before, that like ultimately being this this person who, you know, over-focuses on what everyone around you needs and is others-oriented and completely kind of abandons themselves and, you know, completely suppresses the idea that they have their own needs and, you know, need to be maintained and nourished and cared for is the ultimate form of self-rejection. And so we think that people-pleasing, and this is why we develop this behavior, is because we feel like we're guarding ourselves against rejection. And often because we've experienced it in some big, big way in early life, whether that's childhood, young adulthood, you know, that's that's a whole podcast in and of itself. But we think that we're self-protecting and we develop these behaviors as a way to self-protect. But as, you know, as we grow, as we develop our relationships, we, you know, find ourselves kind of distorted. And so we're then fulfilling our own prophecy, right? We say we're afraid of being rejected. And then in a backwards kind of way, we're ensuring that the same shit that we're afraid of actually fully happens. And that is what's so fucked about all of this, right? Is that as somebody who who is a people pleaser, as somebody who is codependent, as somebody who is hyper-focused on the needs of others, what we actually want more than anything is to be known and to be seen and to be loved and cared for. And what we are absolutely guaranteeing is that none of that can happen in any real way. And so this is why I push you on this, right? And my one-on-one clients know this in a big way. I will push you on what the fear is underneath your people-pleasing, right? Because this is the piece that you have to figure out before you can move forward in shifting any of this behavior, any of these patterns in your life, right? Any of these dynamics. It is absolutely important that you see what this is and what's going on underneath this because that's the only way that you can see and really come to terms with the fact that your people-pleasing isn't protecting you from that experience that you're afraid of. I can guarantee you. It's not truly protecting you. And so instead, you have to get friendly with that fear. It's kind of how I talk about befriending your inner critic. It's getting friendly with that fear and seeing it for what it is. It's not, you know, the way a lot of us talk about fears. We don't have a lot of self-compassion around fears, right? This isn't just adult you being silly and choosing to feel like shit in your relationships, right? This is little kid you. It's inner child you. Or maybe it's young adult you. It's, it's you who has a wound, right? It's a rejection wound or it's a power and control wound or it's an identity wound, or whatever kind of wound it is, right? It's something profoundly hurtful that has sent shockwaves through your life that you've then created workarounds to avoid. We've developed entire parts of our personality and our way of being in the world, the ways that we package ourselves, you know, strategically and we we kind of move about our surroundings in a way that we're protecting that wound so it doesn't get bumped. But then when we decide that we're ready to 
move through the world more freely, right? We, you know, we don't want to be encumbered by this wound anymore. We don't want to have to have our every move calculated so that we don't disturb it. It's exhausting. But in order to kind of shed that, all of that protection, what we have to do is we have to actually look at the wound, right? You have to really kind of like closely inspect it. And, you know, you have to do it carefully and gently and with curiosity, because, you know, we have, ultimately, we have no hope of really meaningfully changing our behavior, our dynamics, our patterns, if we don't actually look closely at where those things are coming from or what they're solving for. So ask yourself, when you think about, you know, the patterns or the habits that you want to change, but you're having a hard time letting go of, ask yourself, what is the fear here? What am I afraid will happen if I stop showing up in this way? And I'd actually recommend doing some writing and reflection here and really capturing your thoughts and, you know, being able to return to them later. And I think it can help even to, you know, visualize yourself in that hypothetical scenario and to name the fear not only not only in words, not only in thoughts of like, you know, I'm afraid this thing will happen, this sequence of events, but also in the sensations that it brings up in your physical body as you picture yourself in that. You know, when you think about setting boundaries with your family, where do you feel that in your body? What are the, you know, very first thoughts that come to mind, even if they don't make a ton of sense, even if they're like very stream of consciousness? You know, map out what does that worst case scenario look like for you? Actually put it down on paper. You know, if you imagine the worst, what is it? And see where that exercise takes you. And remember that there's, there's no wrong answer to this. There's no wrong way to do this. What you're really doing here is you're doing some inner exploration, right? You are, you know, digging into those beliefs and those feelings and, you know, the fears that are underneath your habits. Because over time, as we've just kind of built those into our routine and our way of being, they become more and more subconscious, And we're not aware of them. And what we want to do is bring those to the surface, bring those to our conscious awareness so we can be aware of them. Because that's that's where they need to be if we're hoping to change them. They need to be in our consciousness. They need to be things that we're aware of that we can see how they're playing out. Because that's how we move to actually being able to change them into new behaviors, new patterns, new dynamics, which is what we will talk about on next week's episode. And I will just say, if you're listening to this, to any of these episodes on people-pleasing, or really, if you're listening to any of the episodes of this podcast, and you are thinking, holy shit, this is me. You know, it feels like you're describing me right now, I and I don't want to feel this way anymore. I'm so ready to be done with this. I want to build new, healthier practices. I know I want my life to look different, and I need the support and accountability to do that. Please reach out. You know, people-pleasing in particular is one of my favorite things to dig into with my one-on-one coaching clients. I have helped folks to change these patterns in their lives and to find healthier and more, you know, fulfilling approaches to their relationships and how they relate to themselves. And I would love to help you do the same. So, you know, you can find all my contact info in the show notes, but I'm at hello at aubreyhenderson.com. That's my email. I'm on Instagram. My handle is Aubrey. A, four H's, B-R-E-E, 
Um, so let's talk. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you loved it, please take a second to subscribe on your favorite platform, leave a rating or a review, and take a screenshot and share it on social media or with a friend who needs to hear a message like this one. I love the chance to hear from you and connect with you because it gives me the opportunity to remind you that you are worthy, worthy of wholeness and happiness and just good things. So send me the question or the topic that's keeping you up at night or that you just want to hear more about. You can send me a voice memo at anchor.fm slash Aubrey Henderson, and I can actually include any voice memos that you send me in the show, which I think is pretty rad. Or you can send a good old-fashioned written message from my website at aubreyhenderson.com. I'll see you next time, babes.